0: Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. Jesus, we honor your presence in this place. You are here. Lord, we have experienced you in worship, and you are still here, Lord, because you live, Lord, you live on the praises of your people, and your presence is here, and your word is here. Lord, you sent your word and healed us. You sent your word and changed us. And so, I just want to give you honor this morning, and thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us. I thank you, Lord, and I thank you, Pastor Wilma. I bless you, you're the the mentors, David and I, we just love you so much, and we're so grateful for you too, and we bless you today in Jesus' name. Um, Today I'm going to be talking about story and how your story matters. I've been thinking the past couple weeks, how many have been here when Pastor did his two-week mini-series? He really didn't say it was a mini-series. I'm calling it that, yeah. But on, um, on Joseph, you remember he talked about Joseph and, and how um, the Lord used Joseph's life to save a nation. Um, Joseph had a powerful story to tell. In the first week, Pastor talked about discovering your purpose. Um, remember, he was throwing these utensils off to the side of the stage. You remember that? Yeah. Um, and then the next week, he talked about getting out of the pit and the process of getting out of the pit. And so as I was thinking about this, I kept seeing these words in lights, from the pit to the palace, you know. It could be a miniseries or a movie or something. Does anybody know Pure Flick's number? I think we could submit it to them, you know, and, and it would be a great story to tell because Joseph has a wonderful story. Um, And if you weren't here, I'll just recap it really quickly. Joseph had a little issue with pride. He was called of the Lord, but he had a little arrogance in him. He spoke too soon to his brothers. His brothers got mad. They threw him in the pit. He was sold into slavery, and then he went back to the pit by being in prison. And then finally, when he worked it all out and gave it to the Lord, the Lord um, gave him a new story, and he went to the palace. And Joseph was able to save the entire Nation of Israel, because he submitted his story to the Lord. You remember the verse that he said to his brothers, Genesis 50, 20. He said, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And so Joseph understood that he had a story. And he understood that God had brought him to that place for such a time as this. Joseph has had a pit, but God used it. God turned it around. God took him to the palace and he was able to save a nation. He has a powerful story of redemption, but God gives us that story too, right? Yes. He has that same plan for us. The Lord uses our pain. He uses our brokenness. He uses our past. He uses our mistakes if we let him. Because sometimes we try to hold on to those things and we need to let him go. But he will use them for good if we give them to him. And he will give us a new story. Wouldn't it be great if every time we were going through a trial, we could remember that God's going to use this us for good. God's going to use this us for good. God's going to use this us for good. I promise. I promise. I promise. <laughs> but we forget. Sometimes we forget. But he is. If we allow him, he will use everything for his good. Um, Joseph's story is told around the world, right? So um, let's see. We're going to do the movie. What do we call it? From the Pit to the Palace, right? So are there other movies that are about Joseph, other things? You remember, um, how about The Prince of Egypt? You remember that one? Yeah? Or um, how about Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Anybody ever hear or see of that? So Joseph's story is told because it's a good story. It's a good story of redemption. Um, There's lots of sermons preached on Joseph. If you've been around church for even a second, you will know about Joseph because it's a great redemption story to tell, and there are many sermons preached, and there are songs written that use Joseph's story, and we sing one of them here. My, my honey sings it. I told the first service I had to not look at him because I was standing in front of him today, you know, and I had to concentrate on the Lord instead of looking at my husband. Because <laughs> I think he's good looking. Laughter. Um, but, but I did. I concentrated on the Lord, I promise. If you saw me down here, I was, I was worshiping. But um, David sings this song. Uh, what's it called? I'm going to see a victory. And on the bridge, if you remember, we, you all know it, okay? So um, it says, you take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You got to do the head bob. And you turn it for good. Sing it one more time. You take what the enemy meant for you. I don't see the head bobs. Thank you, Charles. Yes. You turn it for good. Yeah, he does. And I love that song. And I love that part of the song because it helps us remember the things that we've been through and how the Lord uses them for good in our life. But I wonder, do we ever stop at the good? Do we ever take it to be our good? We say, there it is, God, it's good, it's over, the trial's over, the battle's done. Let's put it back here in a neat and tidy box. I don't have to talk about it anymore. No one has to know what I did. No one has to know what I've been through. We'll just, it's good. It's good, God, it's good. But, I think sometimes we keep the good to ourselves when the Lord means for us to take it a step further. Um, He means for us to give the good to others sometimes. We're not just supposed to keep it to ourselves. He's given us a good story to tell. He's given us a good song to sing. But we get to use that story that he gave us in conjunction with him. And share that story with others, and it might help someone else. Our stories help others. Our Jesus story makes a bigger impact than anything we could ever say. And you might be thinking, what in the world is a Jesus story? In fact, when I read this to David for the 99th time, or preached it to David, he gets to hear it all. He said, you might explain what a Jesus story is. And I said, you know, you're right. People might think it's something from the Jesus movement in the 70s. I don't know if any of you all, well, we were alive then, but I don't know if the rest of you were alive. (laughs) I mean that with all love. She's my little bit, so, you know, we you know, um, but so the Jesus movement was a very powerful movement in the 70s where things were coming alive, and how many know the Lord does things in seasons, and so that was a powerful, powerful season, um, the Jesus movement, but I use Jesus' story as our testimony, so... We can have a story, but our Jesus story is inserting Jesus in it. Testimony, if you remember, I don't know, years ago, um, we would have testimony services in our churches that night. And um, the church, my sister's here today, the church we grew up in was a small little town church. And so once every six weeks or so, they might have a testimony night. And so it was a powerful thing because they could stand up and talk about the things that the Lord was doing in their life. We heard from the pastor, but it was good to hear from the people because we could hear how Jesus was working in their lives and the prayers that he answered and the things that they were going through that he made for their good on the other side of it. And it was powerful for two young girls to hear. And so, me being me the older sister, decided I was going to give my testimony. On the next testimony night, and so I worked it out, and I planned it. I was ready, you know a Sunday morning came, and they just so happened to have a baptismal service that morning um, and my sister Diana, who 's just a couple years younger than me, had not been dedicated as a baby, as far as I know, and so my parents decided to have her dedicated that morning, so <laughs> She was, you know, six years old, sitting up here next to little babies, and but she did it. She was dedicated, and so um, then the night service came, and it came time to give my testimony. I stood up, and I said it, but I don't remember one word that I said. <laughs> But here's why. It's not why you think. It's because my little sister stood up after me and gave her testimony. She decided she could do it. And with five words, she upstaged me. I I felt funny being dedicated. That was her testimony. The whole church fell apart. No one remembered my testimony. But... I remembered her testimony that day. And that was so so many years ago. But I still remember what she said. She spoke her testimony that day. She spoke what she was feeling. She told her story. It was only, you know, 25 people there. But hey, we testified, all right? Um, But we hear that word used a lot. Tell your story. Share your voice. Tell your truth. You know, own your, your truth. But here's... The truth is that your story, your Jesus story, is more. It's so much more than that. In our Jesus story, it's not about us. It's not about our past. It's not about our failures. Although we can talk about those to to the extent that it reveals who Jesus is. That's what our Jesus story is. Our Jesus story gives glory to him. It's not about me. It's not even necessarily about what he brought me through, although that helps people. It gives them hope. But our Jesus story always, always, always points to him. If we've been redeemed, we've got a Jesus story. He does take what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. In 2 Corinthians Um, Chapter 1, verse 4, it says, He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. In uh, Psalm 30, verse 11, he says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's hard to go through that process Process, But there it is again. It might as well say, you took what the enemy meant for evil and you turned it for good. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. So he's given us our Jesus story. He's given us these stories to tell of his goodness in our life so that we can sing his praise and so that we can let other people know who Jesus is. Our stories matter. Your story matters. I talked to somebody after the first service, and he said, I want to tell my story, but there's always something whispering in my ear saying they won't want to hear it. Don't tell them. It's going to be embarrassing. It's going to be, no, no. Your story matters. And don't listen to any other voice that says otherwise, because your story glorifies your Jesus story. Glorifies Jesus. Let's talk about why we should share our story. Our Jesus story glorifies God, um, it reveals hope for other people. First Peter 3:15 says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Have you ever heard that verse before? I, I love that because it's like I need to always have that story ready. I need to be working on it. I need to be in communication with him so I can be ready. If somebody asks me why, I have so much hope. It says, do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed because they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. You've got a Jesus story. It's important for us to learn what that Jesus story is. And it's important for us to share it with our friends, with our families, with our children. Psalm 145, 4 says, Let each generation tell of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. That verse isn't up there. But you might remember it when we sing a song sometimes, shout out. we do, Dana puts it up on the screen and we say it together. That's so powerful. Each generation can tell the next generation and you can pass on your story to your generation children. I can pass on my story to my children, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, But God went to great lengths. To make sure that we understood how important story was. And so um, in Joshua chapter 4, the Israelites were crossing over finally into the promised land. But the Jordan River was really overflowing. It was harvest season. It had been rainy. And so there was no way for them to cross it. And the Lord had told Joshua, go ahead and when the priests that are carrying the ark, which is the presence of the Lord, step into the water, I'll open up the waters. And so that's the, that's the back story to this. And then we read, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, so they had already gone across on dry land, um, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. So if you can picture it, because I'm a picture person, the priests carried the ark out there, and they're standing in the middle, and the waters parted, and all of Israel, which is, I don't know how many people, but was a lot of people, um, millions, I guess, <laughs> um, are crossing. And so um, the Lord told him, told, take 12 stones from the middle where they're standing with the ark. Carry them out and and put them in a pile at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each tribe of Israel. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. I hope they were strong. (laughs) That might have been hard. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. And they did that. They um, built memorials all throughout the land. Whenever the Lord did something for them, he wanted them to remember it. And so they would build a memorial. And here's why. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. It was important to God that we learned how to remember what he did for us. It was important to him that Israel learned to make these altars, to make these monuments, to build these places that would show his faithfulness all throughout their life. And then when anyone was passing, the story would be told, this is what happened on that day. This is what happened on that day. The Lord delivered us. The Lord took care of us. They were building their Jesus story before Jesus was here (laughs) because the Lord wanted them to be able to tell their story to their children. So we share our stories with others for many reasons, and I'm just going to touch on a few, but it builds faith. So when we begin to share what Jesus has done with us, for us and with us, It it builds the faith of the person that we're talking to, but it can also build our faith because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we haven't built those monuments like we needed to, and we don't always think about what the Lord has done for us in the past or done for us yesterday or done for us today. Sometimes we're just going with it. And so sometimes relating that story to people builds our faith. Stories are so memorable. People remember your story before they remember anything else you say. We have one of the best um, storytellers here. Pastor Gary is a a great storyteller, and he does that so masterfully. And Wilma, who I probably never thought I was going to talk about her because she hates it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, sorry, it's good. She, um, I remember talking to her about it, and she said, I've heard those stories hundreds of times, but yet when I hear him talk about it, I still learn things, or I still hear things, or things that I've forgotten, things that, you know, make me laugh even after I've heard it, you know, for the hundredth time, because he's good at telling these stories. And we can get in that practice of telling our stories. We can get in that habit of learning our Jesus story so that we can tell them. Even creation tells a story. Um, The heavens proclaim the glory of God, Psalm 19. Um, The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word, their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout all the earth and their words to all the world. Creation tells a story, so we should embrace ours, right? We can learn what our story is and embrace our Jesus story. We might as well get used to sharing it because in Revelation um, chapter 12, verse 11, it says, They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And so we're going to be using it. You might as well start practicing now. Sometimes I practice to myself. I practice to David for a couple of weeks now, (laughs) Um, sharing my story. Um, Sometimes we we sang a song last week where we said, I'm going to preach to my soul. Sometimes we have to preach to our own selves our story. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of who he is and what he's done. And we might as well get in the habit of it because we're going to be doing it for a long time to come. And final reason why we need to tell our story, and there's probably many more, and y'all probably thought of 12 while I'm talking, but Jesus used story. He was a powerful storyteller, and we're still digging in those stories 2,000 years from when Jesus was here. The stories he told, the parables he shared, connected to people on all different levels. And we get in there, and we'll read something, and we'll be like, I never saw that. Where did that come from? You know, it's because it comes in layers as we can understand, as we can embrace his stories. We are still learning. Jesus used story, it's a powerful, powerful. Way to communicate. And so I'm just encouraging us this morning. I'm just telling us that all creation tells a story. Jesus told stories. We're going to be telling our story in the future, so we might as well get ready and start working on it now. You have a story. Your story matters. But you might be saying, I don't want to tell anybody my story. So we have to bring ourselves to the point of owning it if you're taking notes, point number two, owning it. Two words. Did that sound like Pastor Gary? (laughs) If you're taking notes, write this down, owning it. Um, So I've got a powerful Jesus story to share, but not enough time to tell you all about it. Um, This morning, And Jesus has healed me from abandonment issues. I looked for love in all the wrong places. I looked for places to fill that void. I made bad choices. I did have things happen, sure. But in that process, sometimes I made bad choices. I have mistakes. I have a past. I have things back there. Sometimes things happen, but pastor pointed out last week, things happened to Joseph, but he had a choice of how he responded, right? Um, And sometimes we don't respond in the best way. We make bad choices, but then we can give it to Jesus. When we own that things have happened, when we own that we've done things wrong, when we own that we've made mistakes, when we own that and turn it over to him, he gives us a new story. He gives us new chapters. He gives us chapters of deliverance. He gives us chapters in history that doesn't highlight our past, but that highlights Him and who He is, and that we serve a God who loves us so much that He gave His only Son to redeem us back to the Father. And what a story that is. What a redemption story that is. When I gave my heart to the Lord, so I I grew up in church, but I stepped away for several years in my teens and 20s, you know, long time. I don't have enough time. I'm trying to hurry. Um, but I did. I stepped away from the Lord, stepped away from everything I knew. Um, and it was just, just, you know living life. We do that sometimes. And when I came back to the Lord in my mid-20s, it was such a drastic change from where I had been living. Um, I, in my heart, my life, everything just totally flipped around. And so I thought I was all good. I thought I was all healed. I knew that the Lord was taking what I'd gone through and taking the what the enemy did and taking all those things and making it good. So I thought, okay, I'm done. You worked it out for my good. It's all good. I could say with the shouts, um, Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2, He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me. As I walked along, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. I could say, Genesis 50-20, You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for my good. Is that what it said? I don't think so. I think it says, for all, yes, for good. You take you, what you intended for evil, but God intended it all for good. So what I'm saying about, about making it my good, sometimes we stop there. We think, okay, it's fixed. I'm better. Okay, it's fixed. The trial's over. Okay, I see what you did there, God, but nobody else has to ever know about it. Because sometimes our stories are hard to tell. Sometimes, even though in the light of his glorious grace, we still haven't parted with shame. We still haven't let go of some things that God never meant for us to carry into the good. Right? Genesis 50, 20 says, You meant to harm me, but the Lord meant it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph understood his good. Joseph understood he had a story to tell. What about what about Romans eight twenty eight? We know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. And there we go. Because sometimes we stop at and we know that. The Lord is working all things to good for them that love the Lord. And we stop there. Okay, it's good. I'm good. It's all good. You love me. It's good. It's working out for my good. But there's the called according to his purpose. His purpose. (laughs) Sometimes we don't embrace His purpose. And I had to learn that I couldn't keep the good to myself anymore. I couldn't keep the goodness that He did in my life, the things that He showed me anymore. I had to begin to let others see that good. Psalm 40, the the last half of that verse says, He, you know, it's, it's all about He lifted me out of the pit. So He changed my life. He helped me. He delivered me. He made it good. But the next verse says he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to God. And here it is. Many will see what he has done for me and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. And it's because... He lived out his Jesus story. He lived out his God story. He lived it out. He wasn't afraid to tell. He wasn't didn't try to keep it to himself. He figured out a way to talk about it and and give the Lord the glory. Part of owning our story, our Jesus story is realizing that we have to be willing to share it when the time is right. He doesn't require you to stand up in front of people. He doesn't require you to, you know, go out and carry out the streets or knock on doors or any of that sort of thing. Um, But he he requires us to stay in communication with him. Um, We can't keep it to ourselves. And walking out that process, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, ladies, is sometimes hard. Drilling down to the heart is sometimes hard. But if we allow him, he will give us a new story. A new story to tell. Um, God is working in you, Philippians 2 13, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Not long after David and I got married, um, I, I started doing some counseling. Um, we got married, and you know, I had this picture in my mind you know, the, the groom carries the bride across the threshold. And he did that, okay. I was smaller back then. But he—he um, he prob- he, he, there was imaginary luggage, okay, because I brought a lot of baggage into the marriage. I brought a lot of things with me that I didn't realize I had. And um, I needed to talk to somebody about it. I needed some counseling. Sometimes we need that, don't we? We need to be able to talk to someone. Sometimes we need help, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, and the Lord led us to this counselor. He he was a part of our church, and so um, I was talking over things with him um, for, about family, and you know, I, my parents were divorced and that sort of thing, so you know, there's issues and things, and, and we were talking about each parent and each person and that sort of thing, and so we came to my dad, and he said, I want you, your project this week is to write a letter to your dad. And that was hard for me because I adore my dad. Um, and But there were some hurts and some things that I needed to get off my chest. And so I took a deep breath and I wrote the letter. And um, I went back to counseling the next week. And he said, okay, the first thing we're going to do today is review the letter. And I said, what letter? And he said, The letter that you wrote to your dad. And I said, I mailed it. (laughs) I thought his teeth were going to fall out. He said, What? I said, I mailed it. I never heard you say bring it back next week. So I mailed it to my dad. And I was, I wondered why I hadn't heard from my dad in a few days. (laughs) But it actually, he called, my dad called me the following week. And that letter, That letter opened the door of communication between us. We began to talk through some things, and some healing began, and He took my mistake. The Lord took my mistake of putting a postage stamp on that letter and sending it for good. He used it for good, and that's what He does in our stories. I can tell you this story. It's a good story to tell because it's a story of healing and redemption. Owning our Jesus story... Isn't always easy, is it? But it's always effective when we do it in partnership with Him. Um, The Lord told me in my late 20s, after this counseling incident, (laughs) that someday I would tell my story and I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't, I didn't want people to um, know anything about my past, um, but he began dealing with me about that then. There was no pressure to, to write it then, but I think he started preparing me. I'm a writer. I usually write every day, and I think he started preparing me every day to, to write and to go back to some of those places that needed to be healing, not, not so that I could dig it up, but so that his light could be reflected through those places of healing, so that Jesus could be seen through those places. So, I I was thinking about that in the back of my mind, and then we got pregnant and we had Devon, our son. And um, I used to lay my hands on my belly. Oh Lord, in Jesus' name, I break every generational no curses. I mean, now he doesn't want him to do anything that I had ever done. And I don't. I say that jokingly, but I mean it. I did it. Um, and I determined in my heart that I was never going to tell him anything about my past, because I didn't want him to do anything that I had done. <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't want him to know necessarily, I just didn't want him to be me or repeat my mistakes, and maybe it was the lack of sleep as a young mother, because that doesn't make sense, but I almost like put him in a bubble, almost, because I, I just didn't want him to know. So. Um, But the Lord started dealing with me about talking to him when Devin was in his teens, um, and I knew that I had to do it. I could tell Devin what to do and what not to do at certain ages, and that would work. I mean, how many have heard, because I said so, or don't do that, I'm your mother, and I said so, you know? But there comes a time in Devin's life and in others' life where they get a little bit older and they need to know. The why, me telling him not to do things, you know, without giving him the why, um, might sound preachy. I could even give him the word. I could give him the word of God and tell him the Bible says, "Don't do this." And give, you know, I could use the word to back me up on my things that I was trying to instruct him. But if I give him the word without the why, it becomes hollow. You know, it, it, he doesn't know a real situation, a real life, where a real God loves you in your real. Because how many of us know we're real? And real is messy. Real is is messy. And he needed to know that a real God loved him in what would be messes in the future. Because, you know, we all grow up and we get into messes sometimes. Um, so... I started praying as the Lord was dealing with me about sharing my story with Devin. And um, we used to have these days where, as he got older, we would have Mom Devin days and Dad Devin days. And um, where we'd get him after school and just do something with him one-on-one. And I guess that's easy when you only have one. <laughs> um, but he liked to go to Panera Bread, and I was very thankful because David doesn't like Panera Bread, so we would go there and eat, and we'd do things. And So one day we were getting lunch at Panera Bread, and I heard Holy Spirit say, Now! And I was like, Really, Lord? Do you see where we are? We're in Panera Bread. There's a lot of people here. And I'm a weeper. You know, but I I heard his voice. He was clearly saying now, and who knows what he was doing in Devin's heart. I didn't know. I couldn't see. I'm not in his heart. But at that moment, the Lord chose me to begin to share with Devin some of my story. And I didn't tell him everything. Lord have mercy. We would have been there all night if that happened. And there's some stuff he didn't need to know. I'm not talking about a tell-all. I'm not talking about revealing things of the past just to reveal things of the past. That's no good. I'm talking about telling him that when I was here, Jesus came and got me, and he brought me over here. I'm talking about telling him that when I was at my lowest, Jesus lifted me out of the pit. He gave me a a new song to sing, even praise to our God, like Psalm 40 said. I'm talking about sharing with him, Jesus, Amen. the real Jesus who could take care of him. Because mama wasn't going to be there all the time, and I had to peel away the bubble wrap because daddy wouldn't let me keep it on there anyway. <laughs> you know, he needed to know. So I continued to own it with him and I was able to demonstrate real life with a real God and I asked him at the end of that lunch, so how do you feel? He said, not one thing has changed, mom. Not one thing. I love you. If I simply told Devin, he's taken care of me, he'll take care of you. If I simply said, you know, God's word says he's got you, you're good, but I didn't give him the why. How I knew that. My experience, my Jesus story, he might not have been able to see the whole picture. We can give the word, but we got to give the why. So how do we share our jesus story and it's different for all of us it's as different as me and isaiah it's as different as we are have different fingerprints it's as different because we each have our own jesus story our own place that he's brought us to and through. We each have our own impact to make. We each have our own story, but there are some things that we can do to make sure that we are telling the story he wants us to tell. And the first thing is to remain in Jesus. He said in John chapter 15 and verse 4, remain in me and I will remain. I mean, that sentence enough is powerful. That sentence is powerful enough on its own. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. But then he goes on to say, a branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. So that's the first thing that we need to do is remain, remain in his presence. Growing up, there was so much pressure to evangelize um, you know, and I'm not telling you to to pressure you today about your story. What I'm wanting you to do is realize that you have one. And what I'm wanting you to do is to begin embracing it and begin understanding who you are in Jesus, because there is nothing more powerful than understanding who he is in you and what he's called you to do. But I remember in the 70s, um, when we were growing up, there was something called evangelism explosion. Y'all, might or might not remember that, but they would send people door to door, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. That was for that season, and and I did that, and I'm sure some of us did that too. We get in groups and knock on doors because we wanted to tell people about Jesus, and that was that was cool. Um, we couldn't do that anymore because now everybody's got these cameras on their house, <laughs> like the Ring or the Nest, you know. And we have one of those. Somebody stole part off our car a couple years ago, so we got one. And you know, if if we saw like if we saw uh, who's the ones with the white shirts and the backpacks? Oh. If we saw them coming, we, we could say into the speaker, please leave the premises. <laughs> you know, people could say that to us too. I remember when we first got it, um, What it does is if somebody's in your driveway or at your doorbell, it pops up on your phone. And so um, I would get up in the morning because I wanted to see if anybody had been in the driveway or anything. And sometimes we see deer and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. So one morning, though, when we first got it, I I opened up the phone and it said, Someone's been in your driveway at 2.30am. I was like, my heart started pounding. You know, Like I could do anything about it at 5 a.m. But, I mean, you know, still, to think that somebody was on your premises at 2.30 in the morning, you say, oh, no, you know. And so I opened it up, and I looked at the video, and this is what I saw. It was a spider. <laughs> All for nothing. All for naught. I was scared to death, so I don't bother to look at it that much anymore. But... What, what I'm trying to get to, squirrel, um, <laughs> is that uh, we could go door to door and we could still do those things, and it's in partnership with the Lord, but I've learned that the most effective way... <laughs> To share your story with somebody is to build relationship with them, It's to do life with them, It's to let them see the real you and the real God that's going to take care of them. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Did you know that was in there? It is. So that you will have the right response for everyone. Knowing our story, owning our Jesus story, understanding who he is will help us be able to have gracious and attractive conversation. It will help us be ready to give hope to others who are in need. He's working on the other person. He's working on the person you're building a relationship with. You might not know it. I mean, maybe they don't know him. And, and he's working on them. And the words that you say and the hope that you give can be life-changing for them. Maybe somebody's going through something so difficult and you have no idea, but you just feel less. That you should share this one little thing with them, and then you might hear that voice Don't do it, don't do it, they're not gonna listen. But you go ahead and obey, and what you said to them helps them, gives them hope, helps them change their life, helps them confirm something that the Lord had already been saying to them. So we have to remain in Jesus and allow Him to remain in us. We have to stay in the word. We have to know who we are in him. And then we have to ask him for opportunities. Every day we ask him, Lord, if there's somebody I could speak to today. Is there somebody that my story might help? Is there some something I could do? and when we ask for that he's going to give it to us because 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 say and when and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him and don't you know it pleases him when we ask for opportunities to talk about him and make him famous? It does. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we know he will give us what we ask for. And so when we ask for those opportunities to make him famous, he'll give it. He'll give us those opportunities. It might just be little snippets. It might, you know, just be something small but he'll give us to give the give us those opportunities if we ask. Sharing our story isn't about a brag fest. It's not about talking about the things of the past. It's about bringing glory to God. Just like I didn't tell everything to Devin, you don't have to tell everything either. But people are going to connect with your story. They're going to connect with a savior <laughs> who's changed your life. There are some people that only you can reach. I mean, I you know, there's some people that only you know that you can reach or only some some people that you know that you're in a relationship with or that you're doing life with or that work where you work or that walk in the park you walk in. I don't know. But the Lord does. And he's put you someplace to reach someone. You might be a part of someone's story. Um, a couple of years ago, and I know it was a couple of years ago because it was so impactful, and I I put it in my book, but pastor preached a sermon um, about the men who dug a hole through the house, you remember, and they were getting their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Um, It's in Mark 2 and 4, um, and I'm just, I'll, I'll summarize the story, but what it was is their friend was paralyzed, the house was crowded, they knew that the only way to get him healed was to get him to Jesus, and the only thing they could do was tear a hole in the roof, and I heard that story all my life, but it came to life when I thought about, first of all, what they had to dig through to get him in that house, that the roofs were made of mud and sometimes manure. And so, you know, I thought, about, I thought about that wouldn't be fun. And then I thought, what if they did something illegal to get that man to Jesus? I don't know. Did they have permission to tear up the house? I don't know. But I thought about those things, and the one thing that stands out to me is They were passionate about getting him to Jesus. They were passionate about getting him to the Savior. They became a part of this man's story forever because they worked together and they got him to Jesus. Pastor says this quote all the time, to reach people no one else is reaching, we're going to have to do what no one else is doing. And that's just what I said. We each have a different story. We each have a different role to play. We each have a different thing to do when I was coming out of my pit when I was coming out of that place that I stayed for several years there were people that lined my escape path but they didn't necessarily work together like the four men but yet each of them were an important part of helping me come through that process and so you might not have a team of people that are ready to dig through a roof or if you do you might start a business I don't know (laughs) But you might be a part of someone's story. And it's important that you're present, that you remain in Him, and that you listen to Him and ask for those opportunities, and that you know that your story matters. Your story matters. Your story matters, Justin. Your story matters. He's given you a new song to sing. Your story matters. And if he hasn't yet, we'll pray with you at the end of church and help you start discovering who he is in your life. You might say, I'm too private. My story is just way too shocking. I used to tell people, if I told you my story, it'd make your hair curl. (laughs) It happened to me. (laughs) You might be ashamed. You might still need healing there. And when you begin to talk about it, then the Lord can begin to help you heal. And he can bring light to those dark places that maybe, like I said earlier, you've been holding on to. It took me 25 years <laughs> to get this, the book written, okay? 25 years. It's a process. Sometimes it's a process. And my story's still ve- developing today. I mean, I make mistakes. I probably made a mistake yesterday. Don't ask David. <laughs> I still do things, you know. I still need His grace every day. He's always working on us. He's always building our story. But what I'm saying is we can learn to embrace our Jesus story. We can learn to know who we are in Him. I said it earlier, there's nothing more powerful than knowing who we are in Him because it changes our perspective on our entire life and on the people that we do life with. Paul said in First Timothy Chapter one, verse sixteen: God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. Paul must have read Genesis fifty twenty two. I should say fifty twenty as well, because I don't know if there is a fifty twenty two. <laughs> Um, but but he he knew that God would take his life and turn it for good, and he wanted other people to see that they would he would do the same thing for them. Jesus said he'd be with us, and he gave us the Holy Spirit to be with us. Um, not just to live in the good, he gave us Holy Spirit as a comforter. He gave us Holy Spirit to help us live, but he gave us Holy Spirit to go with us as we are telling our story. It's about the kingdom, it's about so much bigger than us. Um, the Lord is able to accomplish more than we can ask or think when we give our story, our Jesus story, to him. In John chapter 4, I'm not going to read the chapter, um, but I want to I encourage you to read it because it's a powerful chapter. And Read it slow, and you can read verses over and over again like I do. Sometimes I'll get stuck on a verse for two weeks because I'm just trying to soak it in. But um, it talks about the woman at the well. She... Um, well first, let me, let me back up a second. This happened in Samaria. Samaria was on the way to Jerusalem if you would cut through Samaria. But Jews would not do that because there was racial tension within Samaria and between Samaritans and Jews. And so Jewish people would go all the way around Samaria to get where they were going because they didn't want anything to do with Samaritans. But that day, Jesus told the disciples, we're going through Samaria. We're going to the little village of Sikar was called and um, he said you all go find me some lunch we're hungry go find some lunch I'm gonna sit by this well so Jesus was sitting there and this woman came up and she had a water jar what's unusual about that is the women usually went to the well at about the same time it was kind of a social event could be where they would all take their jars to the well And dip it in and then they would um, you know have a little conversation whatever before they had to get back to whatever they were doing in their homes she came alone if you don't know the story the reason she came alone is because she lived in shame Um, she was allowing shame to control her life there she had been married five times and was living with a man who wasn't her husband And she wanted to hide from everybody else. She went when she didn't think that she would be discovered. But Jesus was there. I love that so much. Because he was there waiting on her. And so they began talking. Thank you, Valerie, for my hanky. They began talking. And that was another faux pas because, as I said, the Jews didn't talk to the Samaritans, but also the men didn't talk to the women openly like that. Jesus didn't care. He crossed every single boundary to get to her. And they began having this conversation, and please, I beg you, go read it. I'm not going to talk about that today. But Jesus began to reveal to her that he knew who she was and that, He had a plan for her, a better plan from the way she was living, that he wanted to have a relationship with her as as her savior. And so it struck me because the woman who came at noon, I think the Bible said, to fill her water jar because nobody else was there, she left it. She was so impacted by what Jesus said. She left the water jar and ran away from the well, and she ran into town, and she said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? Her life was changed from that interaction with Jesus. She had a new story to tell. She had a Jesus story. She was just beginning to embark on that Jesus story, but she didn't hesitate to use it. And so she goes back into town. She tells them her story. She left her jar. And she told them, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. They knew her backstory. How many know small town living is tough? Sometimes people know your backstory. Sometimes you hear the whispers. Whispers like she did. You have to go to the well at a different time because everybody knows who you are. That's the accuser. He wanted to keep her her separated. But Jesus was waiting there for her. And she ran in, and she didn't have to tell him her backstory. but now she had a Jesus story. Now she had a new story. She said, come, see, see this man who told me everything I did. Could he be the Messiah? Her story had changed. She was revealing who Jesus was. She barely knew him five minutes, maybe. I don't know how long it took to run back to town. I don't know. It could have been a half an hour. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm squirreling again. Um... But she went back to town after only knowing him for however long this conversation took and began to share her Jesus story because he changed her life that fast. So everyone in the village came to meet him because she told that story the next verses say, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him for ourselves. (laughs) You told us your Jesus story and we heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Many Samaritans came to know Jesus. There was a revival there because one woman dared to share her Jesus story. She knew Who he was through that conversation. And she began to know that he was the only one that was going to change her life. And she embraced it right there. And she went and, and won many more to the Lord. And so this morning, I'm just telling you your story matters. You might think it's not important. Maybe you grew up in church all your life and you think that's not a good story to tell, but it is. It's an amazing story to tell. Maybe, maybe you're in the middle of writing your Jesus story, and maybe you're stuck in a chapter that's really, really hard. Maybe there's some things you need to go ahead and, and write and give to him. Maybe you're ready to find healing and hope and forgiveness. Maybe you don't know him yet. And you wanna, you're anxious like this woman to meet a man who could change your life with one conversation. conversation. He's here. We sang about that this morning. He is here. He's here, and he wants to meet you where you are. He wants to help you develop that story, that Jesus story, and he wants you to know that your story matters, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how bad the past looks, When we reflect who Jesus is, (laughs) through our Jesus story, people will see him and they will want to know why you have such a good story to tell. I'm going to pray. If the worship team wants to come sing, um, I'm going to pray. If you're here, we'll, we'll be at the front We're happy to pray with you. We're happy to help you start digging in. We're happy to help you in any way that we can um, to pray about these things. But I'm going to pray, and then you can just come forward, and and they'll sing, okay? Lord, I thank you for your word. It is powerful and effective and life-changing. It pierces our very bone and marrow, Lord, because it is so powerful, Lord. I know, Lord, that you are speaking to people today, that you are reminding them of who they are in you. There's some things that happened in the past, Lord, that they have forgotten. There's some things that you brought them through that they don't want to think about because it's too painful, Lord. But you are bringing light to that today, Lord. You, Lord, are changing lives today, God. There are some people, Lord, who have yet to embrace that story that you've given them because they don't know how, Lord. They're not sure what to do. But today, Lord, is the day that you want to begin, Lord, and help them on that journey, Lord. I just, I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters. I pray today, Lord, that we would begin to take the steps forward, Lord, to journey to you, to journey with you, to remain in you, to know who we are in you, Lord, so that we can be hope, so that we can be salt and light, Lord, so that we can grow the kingdom, Lord, so that we, Lord, can grow, Lord, more believers in our neighborhoods and on our streets and in the parks and at our work, Lord. It's about the kingdom. And so I pray, Lord, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I, I just bless my brothers and sisters today. In Jesus.